0: at the desk preparing messages, at the bedside of a dying member, at the table handling conflict and developing creative strategies to build a congregation. Proclamation, implementation, salvation is the call of a pastor. My goal is to inform, inspire, and ignite you to take on this journey called pastoring. May you enjoy the interviews, information, and inspiration as I and others empower the pastor. Join us. Good afternoon and welcome to the Empower the Pastor podcast, where we seek to inform, inspire, and be ignited in our work and witness As pastor. On today's segment, it is a privilege to welcome an individual who is a friend and one of my brothers. He is the member of the Mount Canaan Baptist Church of Shreveport, Louisiana. He is the interim minister of the St. Rez Missionary Baptist Church of Shreveport, Louisiana. He is a producer. But KLSA 12 which is a local news network in Louisiana and his fiance is Rebecca Salvador. I present and welcome today to our panel on today Pastor Michael J. Fuzzy what's good,
1: what's Pastor good. Michael? it's how all good, good man how are you
0: man I'm blessed man I'm blessed I'm wonderful I am wonderful so, the question is for the day is, how are you going? That's the question I wanted
1: to be. How are you? Doing? As I've told people through this, I'm safe and relatively sane. Um, so, as I'm trying to avoid corona, I'm making sure corona don't get in my mind and cause me to go crazy. So,
0: uh, my mind. So,
1: uh, I'm safe and sane, Doc. Safe and sane.
0: Safe and sane. That's the best way to be. So let me begin this by asking you: When did you begin
1: it. I've been preaching now for over five years. Um, that's the the official answer. I've been a, a Jack Lick preacher all my life because I was preaching sermons <laughs> when I was in kindergarten at the kitchen table telling folks about Jesus and Him crucified. Um, so preaching has been in my vein all of my life. I've been preaching since March of 2015. Um, in that first sermon, I owe everybody a refund. So, if you're listening to this, uh, please reach out to me and I'll make sure you get your money back for going. Uh, <laughs> so, going on five years of preaching, um, and have enjoyed the journey since.
0: Bless the Lord. And so you've been in it for five years. So what are you currently doing?
1: Right now, I've been privileged to uh, lead the Saint Rest Church during this pandemic, which is a peculiar journey that's that's uh, transpired. Um, but leading them and still taking on responsibilities as assigned to me at Mount Canaan and came in other places. So preaching, uh, learning to pastor, and, and still carrying out the Lord's work as He sees fit.
0: So, in the words of Deborah Cox, how did you get, there? man? How did you get where you
1: oh, are? Oh, it's 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 a peculiar journey to get where I am now, especially getting to Shreveport and then getting uh, God move. I'm a rich. Uh, what and. Interested. Shreve never crossed my radar at all. I didn't know where Shreveport was. I didn't realize God had crafted a Shreveport in Louisiana. I knew nothing about Shreveport. Uh, I applied for the job, they interviewed me, and the interview felt like a revival because they gave you a whole itinerary, they almost gave you an honorarium and everything else. I'm like, wait a minute, this does not feel like a job interview, it was it was pandemonium at the interview they hired me before i even left went back to dallas and the expenses that i paid to move to shreveport were less than what i would have paid to stay in dallas mm. so it literally cost me pennies on the dollar to move to shreveport than to stay in dallas and that just proved it literally was a god move so i've been here since 2016. Then got connected with the late Dr. Harry Blake in Mount Canaan, which was another move because that was the first pastor to ever call me son. Um, and if any associate ministers listening, you know there's a certain affection that comes from having a father in ministry. So, was at Mount Canaan. Pop Blake retired in 2018. He takes on an assignment to become the interim pastor of a church in 2019 and then brings me on staff there at the beginning of 2020 to assist him and help him with the process. And then he moved upstairs and left him with the folks. And that's how I got here.
0: So what has it been like leaving a church through a turbulent transition? And by that I mean, you're going through COVID-19. The interim pastor that brings you here is gone. And the congregation is still dealing with the fact that they're yeah, without a pastor since um 2019. So how does that play in the picture What has it been like?
1: Words can't express it. It's it's almost for me personally shadow boxing. Because you know you're not the pastor. They have not voted you in, but you have to make the decisions, or at least encourage the decisions to be made, to lead them forward. So, the way it got started with Saint Rest, literally, Pop Lake got took ill right around the beginning of March. And that was around the time when the pandemic really started hitting home here in Louisiana. So he wanted us to draft a plan to figure out how could we quarantine, shelter in place, but still provide worship to the congregation. So at that point, we drafted plans to go fully virtual with both Bible study and with uh, Sunday morning worship. And then literally that was the last time I talked to him outright face-to-face. So we went there for about two weeks, it worked out considerably well. The next thing I know, he moved upstairs. So now mm. we're in this pandemic, navigating through uncharted waters because the church never went live on Facebook. They never had a YouTube page. So now they're doing things they've never done in their history. And they're dealing with the loss of an on pastor. So I'm left mm. with... A legacy to carry, but a burden to bear. But these ain't my folks. It's all the responsibility, but nobody. So it, hmm. it literally has been shadow boxing me because I'm going back and forth. Now, Lord, these your folks, these your people. You know what you need for them to do, but I ain't nobody's pastor yet but in the providence of god every decision that i have encouraged has practically been unopposed so it's been providential to see god grooming my heart for pastoring beyond just shaping my head for preaching. and mm. that's been the journey that's been the challenge for me but it's been a good journey because now it shows me that God will challenge your affections before he confirms your promotion. Wow. And if you're going wow. to be in the driver's seat, he wants to check your heart for people opposed to just check your head for preaching. Because we all know pre- preaching is, huh. is, is, is mechanic, it's scientific, we know how to do it well, we got the craft down. But when it comes to pastoring, it's not about what's in your head. It's about what's in your heart. And if you ain't got the heart for pastoring, it doesn't matter how well you can preach in the pulpit, they ain't going to give two cents about that. They're really more concerned about how is your heart for people. And that's what the process has been for me so far to really have my heart broken to serve people and show that I'm bleeding with you while you're bleeding through the process.
0: Hmm. So, since your church is, so church has been virtual, since the church has been doing these new things, how do you believe that the church has been doing spiritually, financially, and numerically since the plan has been placed at, from March to present? I'll
1: start with spiritual and numerical. Um, spiritually, I think they're staying strong. The the benefits of St. Rest is that they have had a strong biblical foundation from the beginning, even before Pop got there. They were adamant about Bible teaching. So that's really been beneficial to him and to me, because it's easy to talk Bible, nobody's going to argue with them. They have a strong teaching base. So spiritually, they have remained strong, Um, and it's been encouraging to see what's happened with how they handled this pandemic without losing their minds and going off and being black Baptist folks for real.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, you know, black
1: Baptists, we have proclivities to show our humanity before we show you our divinity. So
0: I'm, I'm yeah, That's black, Help I'm the saints, Help the saints.
1: They have maintained some sense of Christianity in the process. They show them, they say for real and i'm glad about it um numerically it has been unreal to see what's happening virtually obviously your congregations are going to be bigger online than they will be in a sanctuary and it's been unreal we've had more people view and reached by broadcast online than we've ever had in the sanctuary probably in the last 20 years So when you're talking about online, you're averaging reach of 450 people per service on Sunday. And then that's magnified to roughly 600 people reach on Wednesday nights for Bible study. You've got more people listening to the gospel than you've ever had in moments in your congregation face to face. So that part of it has been unreal to see because it's showing that the gospel still works financially they have stayed strong thank god they weren't in debt before i got there because if they were they might be in trouble um but they have stayed strong and they have adjusted well to virtual means of giving which has made life easier um but we've been successful in efforts we've done we've done drive-through communions since we've gone to this virtual uh experience of worship and that has not only triggered people to partake of the Lord's Supper, but they given to the Lord's church, which is a plus because it takes money to run the Lord's church. Jesus paid it all, but the church needs money.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So, what therapeutic ways have you been using to cope during this time?
1: Therapeutic means to seek. See, those are big words for me because at this juncture, I escaped from all of it. Um, for me, in these moments, I have really clinged back to music as far as listening and playing. Um, for a long time, I shied away from engaging in music because I wanted to focus on preaching. But now I realize the more I hear folks talk to us, I want the more I want them to hush. I just need some moments of silence and maybe some moments of instruments to get my mind back to that. So I'm doing a lot more uh, music now to keep myself sane. So that way I don't fall into Baptist proclivities as well and show my humanity to some folks
0: help the
1: saints forever because even for the preacher especially for the preacher and the pastor during these times it is so easy to succumb to the levels of folks based on their thought process and everything else and I dare not show these folks the humane side yet that they can't handle it oh praise this man
0: don't do it don't do it Jesus is a
1: keeper and I'm glad he is and I was raised well to not show my poker face so I'm I'm glad about that Uh, but music has been one thing also to have a community of preaching brothers as well as a community of family who I can safely communicate with and they can feed back into me what I've poured into other folks so I've wow. preachers that I can call unburden my soul. It stays there, but they also feed back into me to tell me keep going, keep doing what you're doing, or the most important thing I can hear right now is I'm with you. Because it feels like in this stage Absolutely. of quarantine, in this stage of staying home, it feels like the pastor has to stay home. Oh, he's fighting this thing by himself. So it's always encouraging to hear another preacher, another pastor say, I understand because I'm going through the same thing. I'm in it with you. Uh, so that's been a great ther- a means of therapy as well as having a great great uh community of, of family and friends. The Lord blessed me to have a fiance that is a licensed therapist which is the best blessing in the world because one I don't have to worry about being on the market but two she literally can put to words what I'm feeling in my heart so she can help Mm. me navigate through grief of losing a father in ministry she can help me navigate through depression because of whatever decisions I have to make and it's literal free counseling for me because she can articulate what I'm feeling and help me process through that. And that has been the best blessing in the world. So that that has really helped me get through these moments because I have somebody in my corner who not only says, I'm in it with you, but let me help you process through it so that way you don't lose your mind.
0: Mm. My Lord. It's a word, really. man. One mm. second. Mm. So, in today's conversation, the whole shift of the conversation now turns to the thinking church. As we know, the church, the assembly, the ecclesia, the called out community is shifting and changing. Some ways are for the better. Some ways are for the worse. as you included I never thought that would live in a Where on Easter and Mother's Day we would not be able to go into the sanctuary and see and and Reverend. see what we're used to see. I, I, I never thought I would live to see that. You know, we want to see what's what Mother Flawsey and Mother Jones have on, on Mother's Day. And I never thought we would not be able to. Like, the funny thing is, I always have told my members on Mother's Day, I don't want to hear no song about mama, and I don't want to hear no song about I mama. I don't, don't want nothing freshing because that 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 triggers. Cause you got some people that mama is not there and all I, I say I even miss you know not seeing that this year. But as we're seeing the church change, what are some things that you have implemented? prior to and during
1: this pandemic you're right it has been a, a peculiar season especially you're right you talk talking about big Sundays for for our our culture as far as Mother's Day and Easter. you know it's hard to holler early when you only preach to two folks and that's you and the cameraman that's hard mm. we we feed off of the call and response so if I'm calling you ain't responding look we're not used to that lecture phase. Talk back to me, um, and that's that's been a challenge. And, and especially Mother's Day, because you're right to see see families and bright right, spring colors, and and you know you got your your, your made up quartet talking about some hello, mother, and had none of that to show. You, know, you didn't get no spirituals none of that this year. Made up can't spirituals. None of that was going on this year, Reverend. It's been hard. Uh, no, no,
0: I'm in this care Need You
1: don't hear no I. You don't get no I still hear yeah. my. Yeah. That was tough this year, Reverend, boy. Had me crying in the pool pit for no reason. What's wrong with your Reverend? Look, leave me alone. I <laughs> Oh, man. Um, But you're right. It has, It has. This this is provided... Um, the challenge of change for us. One thing that I've tried to implement is probably more spiritual than what folks want to deal with. I asked them the question, are they personally ready for reopening? Mm. Each state has its own respective place of figuring out when they're going to do the beginning phases of reopening for us in Louisiana is starting now to where churches can go back giving up to about 25% of capacity Uh, and I asked them before we deal with anything else are y'all ready personally for reopening we'll preach what you're talking about are you going to love people better when they get back here are you going to be more committed to a devotional life with God now are you going to treat God's people better now than you did before? Are you ready to do better or do you just want to get back to normal Which one did you want? So that has been an introspection for myself as well as the church because I don't want them coming back to normal when God has given us opportunity to do better if we're not gonna hmm. love people differently love people better if we're not gonna treat god better or treat his church better we don't need to come back and we stay home. because the issue is not the virus the issue is our hearts. are we going to do better when we get back to the sanctuary that's one of the big things that i've challenged them to do now also i'm challenging them to be conscious of where they are In terms of membership, St. Rest is a great historic church. It's the only church in Shreveport that was bombed during the civil rights movement here. So that great history. But it also means they got a whole lot of old So we know this virus challenges the senior saints, those who have more health risks. They were eager to go in Sunday morning governor just lifted the issue today they're ready to go on Sunday morning so I simply just ask them basic questions what does six feet look like for social distancing how do you handle the choir space for them to sing you can't have all those folks in the choir stand seated together what do you do about Thomas and offering in the exchange of money do you have thermometers to take health screenings When people walk in, what procedures are you going to put in place to make sure they feel safe when they come in? Are you requiring everybody to wear masks? They couldn't answer one single question. And I told them, until you get those questions answered, close the doors. So it's implementing that sense of being sensible to the times as well as sensitive to the spirit to know everything that's lawful is not prudent. It's not expedient. So just because it's awful for us to go back doesn't mean now's the time to go back. Let's sit down and look at where we are and realize our folks aren't ready to come back regardless of whether or not they can come back. Let's put stuff in place to make sure they're safe physically and also safe mentally to worship. Because ain't no sense of them coming to church and they scared to worship. They looking at other folks and they think nothing about Jesus. They all in the sanctuary. They all got their mask on, but they scared. because They trying to figure out if Sister Johnson has the virus or Brother Wilcox has the virus, and they have not thought anything about what you said, what you prayed, what you say. They just scared sitting in church. That's not a way to worship. So I've encouraged them to put a plan in place, and we're drafting
0: it know- now.
1: And then I've also encouraged them to be sensible about the next steps of what's going forward, um, as we've done virtual worship and it's been relatively successful what we have it's only the bare bones of what we could potentially do so how do you incorporate these new methods with your old methodology to make the both worlds work because now you know what you're capable Uh. of doing in terms of digital and online you don't want to quit that now what are you willing to invest to go forward to say, let's keep this going and bring back in-person worship so we have the best of both worlds. So I'm encouraging them to look at what the next steps will be there to continue Facebook viewership, to increase our media outlet to where we have the equipment and the resources and the people necessary to keep that going. Uh, so, looking at what's ahead and not just thinking about when we can get back. Because at the end of the day, once we get out of this pandemic, life is going to forever change in the church. So, we yeah. have to be ready for those steps forward and, and not just looking at that steps back, trying to figure out okay, yeah. how do we get out of it. No. Look, we've got out of Egypt. We need to have no cross the Red Sea we trying to get the Canaan Lane. We ain't going back to Pharaoh. Let's figure
0: this out. And you know something Reverend, and I'm in agreement with everything that you have just said. You know, in Birmingham now, a lot of the governor has said that churches can't reopen. And to be honest, you know, when we think about reopening, I have several questions that people say, I want to come back. And it would be wise to come back. But the reality is, it's a difference in wanting to come back and God you know, willing you to. Yeah. God gives you his will to come back. It's a big difference because with his will, he gives you common sense. He knows your limits. He knows your limitations. And I would not believe the Lord would put you in a risky situation where you cannot come back. Because it's just like when... The children of Israel was waiting on Moses to come back from Mount Sinai with the laws of God. They kept waiting, but they got impatient. And because they got impatient, they started building a golden image and they erected it for themselves and worshiped it. And when Moses came down after seeing God and experiencing God, he had the high moment in his faith. But when he sees them worshiping this idol God, It causes them to causes him to go into anger and all this. And for me, you know, I'm all for going back, but it angers me that we don't think about the process before it goes back. And so it is just on that particular, you know, you know. And and
1: I think this is the burden of the past twenty, because now we. It's already one level to think about what you're going to preach on Sunday. And we labor with that text from Sunday to Sunday to get the sermon right. Then you already had your business piece to make sure folks are at least giving, making sure tithes are in there to take care of the resources of the church. You're already dealing with your Baptist deacons, you're dealing with your Baptist trustees and your Baptist vice president of this auxiliary, whatever else. And now you add the layer of dealing with this pandemic, which none of us have done before. There's no precedent to say this is how to do it. We're literally the pins of Baptist history right now. We're writing what life will look like if you have to pass through pandemics we are the living epistles of these end times to figure out how to navigate these waters and you're right god gives us common sense and really it's based on where you are as a congregation for saint res the average age of the member is over 60. Absolutely no mm. sense to reopen the doors of that church when most of those people have compromised health because of previous health conditions. As mm. eager as I want to see them face to face, I want to have that fellowship back in the sanctuary. What does it look like to open it up? And then the next thing you know, we have a funeral after funeral folks getting out of here because they've caught it one way or the other you're right we have to be sensible about those steps and think about it like that and I I wish and I'm turning the corner I'm sorry forgive me later I wish some of our fellow brothers and sisters would be more gracious in this conversation about how to handle it because it literally is from a case to case situation what works for me in Shreveport may not work for you in Birmingham but I can't knock your faith and your sensibilities because you know where you are with your congregation. So we've got to be more more sensitive and more gracious to each other to realize we all just trying to get through this thing together. Ain't none of us, and that's bad English, but good talk. Ain't none of us been in this position before. We know civil rights. We know church. We know social issues. We don't know pandemic. So we've, we we got to do a better job of being right. more sensible to the spirit, more sensible to the time, but also more gracious to each other to realize, bruh, sis, I'm praying for you that God gives you the wisdom to carry this out, because all of us are trying to figure it out for ourselves. Because
0: even through this, my prayer, even on Sunday, we're doing... Right. We was we did it before doing drive to communion. but we're doing a drive in so-
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, y'all can afford to do that in Birmingham because y'all have that good breeze and open space. And the Lord favors y'all with that decent enough summer weather. We can't do that in Shreveport. We we too humid. It's too hot. I'm going to hear more car honks telling me to honk it off. than I'm going to hear amen. So I applaud you for following the Lord with that good weather in Birmingham. Because we cannot do that in the humid space of Shreveport, Louisiana.
0: back we had a moment of a technical difficulty but thanks be to God that we're back as I was saying that our church is doing like we went from doing drive communion to doing a drive-in service on Sunday and it's just as a way as to make sure that people are going to be safe and secure during this pandemic because at the end of the day you know I care more about saving souls and securing souls that's here in the bag that's, that's reality
1: you see and, and you in a good place because y'all have that beautiful weather out there with a nice breeze and, and, and a gentle calm weather on sunday morning to folks don't get hot man we can't do that in Shreveport. We, we're too humid out here you know black folks in humidity don't do well so we can't be in park they're gonna honk me off instead of honking amen to me so uh, I, I applaud your efforts for that drive and uh, part worship there in birmingham we, we appreciate you for that initiative but you're right it's about it's about securing soul it's about making sure people are safe and realizing that as much as we want the finances to do the lord's work the lord's work is the lord's people that's we true. don't have the people. It doesn't matter how much money we raise. And if I... Just going about doing whatever else, we need the people to make it work.
0: Exactly. And you know, Mike, I'm a witness that even through this pandemic, I mean, contrary to popular belief, a lot of the people that have really been keeping Solid Rock financially supported are people that are non-members. Wow. that, wow. That's, that that's to be totally frank. Because most of the people that have really been contributing, and and it's a minority of Solid Rockites. I ain't going to throw a lot of them under the bus and run over this quick. But it's a lot of them that really been supporting the church financially that are not members. And it's because they're really seeing that we're trying to do what God called us to do folks would just call and say, they'll cash out me and say, I'm cash cashing you something to put in the in the, in the church. Make sure you get to the church. I was like, sure. And go from there. And to be honest, it just really shown me, my mem. it's shown me that there are people that even when folks say that they're not going to do, God always turns around and say, I'm going to keep your church going in different ways. So I'm grateful for that.
1: They, they, folks so, need to remember, the church is the Lord's bride. And God will not allow his woman to be broke and look ugly. Mm. So don't think because you don't want to give that God's not going to find a way to take care of his wife. Mm. That ain't how he operates. And you're so right that it'll come from unexpected places or even folks will make the adjustment to do what's necessary to make sure the church still is going. And we and we all know it that mainly roughly 15% of the population in church does about 85-90% to of the giving Uh. just because we in a pandemic that ain't going to encourage folks to do anything different so it's been the same premise with us to where even though we've seen some declines in some places our online giving has increased and we've seen other folks give to us that we never expected to do so you're right God has a way of of making sure that his church will be well taken care of as long as the church is doing exactly what it's supposed to do.
0: So, in this pandemic, what have you been preaching and teaching on during this pandemic? What what has God been saying to you that you've been communicating to the people?
1: It's I've I've tried to toe the line as close as I can because where I am is peculiar. It, it would be different if I was the official pastor Then I could do whatever else as far as lead based on where we are. This pandemic, really, I have been in revival mode. So I have preached Jesus and I have preached encouragement biblically for probably the last six weeks. Um, folks probably got mad at me on Mother's Day because I preached Ephesians 2 talking about grace and salvation but that's just where i am it's at this moment where i am in terms of my preaching and in terms of leading It's jesus and keeping you encouraged in the midst of this pandemic and i believe it was romel williams who has mentioned before that some people told him listen doesn't matter where you go preach about jesus because somebody has not heard about him before so that's kind of been my premise now that as I'm preaching and teaching, even when we're dealing with this pandemic, somebody has not heard about Jesus before, so I still got to preach that. And I'm not just talking at the close. Literally, my sermons have been geared towards who is Christ? How are we saved? What does salvation mean for us during this pandemic? So, looking at it really from that lens because. I'm not their pastor and I'm well aware of that. So I can't go in a series on Philippians or I can't do anything else like that. I'm literally in revival mode. I'm going for blood every Sunday and preaching
0: Jesus and him crucified. Amen to that. And Mike, if I may encourage you as well as any other interim that might be looking on they might be looking on, um, they might be listening to the um, podcast. There's a book written by Chris Braun. He's the pastor of the Congregational Christian Church of Steelman Valley, Illinois. And he wrote a word, I mean, a, a book entitled When the Word Leads Your Pastoral Search. Wow. When the Word Leads Your Pastoral Search. And even through that, um, this would be a good book for you to read as well because it gives you some formats and also it gives you some things to be able to do because even as i was you know i did an interim pastorate in a small way years ago and i preached um i, I asked the pastor you know because he was retiring out with specific i needed to do he said just be you and i know me i don't i if I'm, you know, if I get tied into a chapter or a book, I'm going to take my time and preach it because at the end of the day, I somehow I just couldn't. This would be my riff. And I found out that in a moment like that, when the church is without a pastor, if you're kind of the interim that's keeping them going, they'll feed into what you say, and they'll feed into it. They'll be willing like my spiritual father said, preach your preaching so high that it'll make you, make folks want to come back for more. And when they hear what you got to say this way, they'll, they'll, they'll be like, we, we want to hear the rest of it. And, it. and it's just like, you know, it's just, yeah, but yeah. But but, but that's just a little plug in I wanted to throw in to the camera. room. Uh, when the word, when the book is entitled, When the Word Leads Your Pastoral Search." by Chris Brons. Okay. I promise that I believe it helps shape and change a lot. And Moody, Moody Publishers uh, published the okay.
1: as right. well. I appreciate that. I'll definitely take a look at it when we get off podcast and, and get that sent here.
0: Okay. Good, good. So you've alluded to it but specifically when we think about re-entering, what should be considered before we re
1: Number one order order of worship because for us in our context we engage on fellowship and obviously Mm -hmm. with where we are with this pandemic and the guidelines set we've got to navigate how we fellowship without fellowship so what does it look like for us to have Sincere worship where we're engaged in moments of fellowship with each other, but practicing social distancing, practicing the same guidelines that have been put before us. So, with tithes and offering, the exchange of money, uh, choirs singing. Maybe we go to congregational singing, everybody sings in the congregation. All those different things, different elements of worship that we have, we've got to reconsider that. So folks know we're intentionally thinking about their safety and well-being. That's probably the biggest thing I see us having a challenge with because we are who we are. Church for us ain't about building. Church for us is family and people. So it's a it's already a challenge that we haven't seen. It. And as soon as we get back, we're going to be inclined to shake hands, to hug and everything else. And within respective places, I understand it. But we also have to be mindful that this virus is real, that it does exist. And it's going to make us change and adjust in ways we probably don't feel as comfortable doing. So we definitely got to look at the order of worship, some stuff that folks have been doing for the last 120 years. They got to let it go. And that's gonna be a challenge for many of our older congregations because they've been doing it since Tim was a pup. And since Moses part of the Red Sea and they don't wanna let it go, but they have to. Because if they don't, we won't survive. So our order of worship is one thing. Um, One thing I'm seeing now that's really gonna be a challenge, we've gotta find a way to do virtual discipleship. The, the piece that has really been interesting to me now that I'm really praying about and really trying to do some homework on, how do we disciple people we don't see? Because now that we have gone to virtual means, the gospel's been preached. There are responses to the gospel how do we safely disciple those people, even though we may not ever see them face to face?
0: The reverend, I will before we go into the next thing, before you go to your next statement, there is a way that we can do virtual discipleship. Because I was thinking about that. I talked to a friend of mine. I think he, I don't know who it was. You know, these, you be thinking different things. But for virtual discipleship, one key element that could be good if somebody wants to join the church or somebody wants to do all of that, we have been used to, you know, doing the normal procedures. There is a way that you could probably get more new members into new members orientation virtually than you probably can at the church. I believe it. And then from there... Consistently assimilating them to a small group where they can be able to stay old, stay plugged in and stay connected without losing the authenticity of fellowship and discipleship. But, but continue. I'm sorry. But, but I, you I, I, you
1: you hit on some key points there, and you said it consistently assessing that. And typically, with our traditional means of orientation and discipleship, it's all contingent on if they come to us. They're coming inside the sanctuary. They're coming to orientation. They're meeting us at our place. Now the roles are reversed to where we've got to meet them at say mm-hmm. And I think that's the healthy challenge we have now to be adamant about making sure we don't lose folks through the wash because we're not willing to reach out. Because mm-hmm. it. It's easy, dog. You know it is. When they come in on Sunday morning, you got
0: them. It
1: is. But what are you doing to reach out to keep them after Sunday morning? Especially beyond Sunday morning since we're all on virtual means now.
0: So, Reverend, would you consider that the Great Commission is actually becoming the Great Commission now? That we are actually, instead of we're used to telling them to come to us, we're going to them.
1: Right. We have cosmetized the Great Commission to say to folks, come to church instead of going to them and saying, meet Jesus. Now, we're literally forced to do what God has told us to do all along. It ain't different than what he said in Matthew 28 there's no difference in that there has been no delineation from that now is the question am I really going to follow what God has said and recognize that this moment is not necessarily a change in worship this is really a moment to commit to evangelism because we still have the same premise of how we worship we still have the same premise of how we do things but now I have to come out of my comfort zone of seeing you in a pew, and I have to reach out to you and connect with you. It's really making us challenge ourselves to see, do I really believe what God said? He said, go ye therefore, teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach them to observe all things I command." Do I really believe that to the point that I'm willing to do it beyond my comfort zone? So you're right. It, it, it's, it's making a great commission a great commission because now you can't afford to miss those moments because they don't show up on Sunday morning. Now it's you may have to have a Zoom call or you may have to contact them via Facebook, do a Google Duo
0: and connect
1: with them in ways that you probably aren't as comfortable doing, but it's necessary because it's discipleship.
0: Absolutely. So, let me ask you this. Um, how old are you?
1: I like, am the, the ripe age of 31. Praise the Lord.
0: Okay, 31. 31. 31. And I'm 28. I'm 29 in July. So, amongst our age group of millennials, how old are how are you connecting with them during this time
1: the basic questions of how you're doing how you're coping um we you know we're peculiar people in the sense of especially us because we're millennials but we've been here before so it's it's, it's interesting for us as seasoned millennials to connect with millennials Um, so to ask the basic question how are you doing, how are you coping and to be consistent with that Um, because where our generation is they they can tolerate a conversation a lot better than they can Uh serve because most of them a good portion of them have never had church experiences. So they are more in line with conversation where it's a dialogue than a sermon that is predominantly monologue.
0: So let me ask you this. Within this pandemic, as we're shifting our changes, shifting the church, shifting the change, what are some ways that you're incorporating right now to kind of minister to them without leaving big mom behind?
1: I think it's an automatic advantage that we've gone virtual; that it collect it connects with more millennials now. As I've looked at our viewership on Facebook, and I've looked at how that's been successful for us. I'm noticing more millennials who have never stepped foot in St. Rest are now watching St. Rest. So it's giving us that opportunity to connect with them. So in those moments of preaching and teaching, to give them something that's relevant to them and also keep Big Mama connected too. Um, which is why I'm grateful to God that God has wired me the way I am preaching-wise to where I incorporate hymns and traditional means in sermons in conjunction with exposition of the text. So while you're hearing what this text is saying, I can connect with Big Mom and say that's why the hymn writer's did," and we've got the best of both worlds. Um, what I'm, I'm prayerful about doing in days to come now is to really branch out and connect with our different ministries in the church and have them become more engaged with those different groups. Because now that we know who our targets are from virtual means, let's connect with them and get them involved and engaged and doing what we're doing now.
0: Virtual assimilation, I love it.
1: So we, we know who's out there. Let's target these individuals and connect with them so that way they are engaged with us in this whole process
0: wow so as we're thinking about rethinking church and reentering church how do you believe the ordinances of the church are going to be performed and how will you organize wow
1: that that, that part of it's really going to be the challenge uh, going forward because when you're talking baptism and Lord's Supper we can't and that's what I've pressed to our leadership especially during this pandemic regardless of where we are we can't stop doing those things that's that's our bread and butter that we have to do those things based off of what scripture teaches us I think that we have to be we, we may have to continue in the same vein of drive through communion to where people get the elements prior to and then we all come together and they have it with them before we even serve so that way, you eliminate traffic during worship of people walking around and people moving and passing i think that process will have to continue for a while i think baptism may be more of an intimate setting to where you only have family members there and you do it at a set time aside from the worship Until we figure out what we're dealing with totally with this pandemic, we have to may may shift those ways to adjust to where we are and still carry out the ordinances of the church, Uh, which is going to be a challenge because we love those moments together, especially during baptism, where everybody can see a young man, a young woman, anybody waiting in the water. We love those moments. But we may have to adjust to where we do that in a separate setting opposed to
0: the Sunday morning experience. And it seems like our church is gonna probably maintain a bathroom it's probably gonna like Catholics and Apostolics. And I'll say that in the sense of the Catholics will schedule a baptism during the week. Right. And they will have baptisms like every day. And apostolics be like, as long as the water is in the what hinders you from being baptized? Right. And that's I kind of see that that's going to end up being a new normal where baptisms are going to be taking place kind of like they did in the original time, you know, back in that way. And then, of course, with the way the, the virtual stream is, is people can be able to still see the baptism that cannot come right. to witness the experience. Right. So, what are some thoughts that you would give to a pastor or congregation that needs some strategies and solutions?
1: First of all, pray and that sounds so cliche and so tricky but it's true because no one's going to know your congregation better than your congregation no one is going to know your leadership better than your leaders and nobody's going to be able to pastor that church better than you can so about what is best for your church. Don't do it because somebody else is doing it in the city. Do it because that's the way that God is leading you to do it. I would also tell them to don't be scared of change. One thing that I've noticed with this pandemic and how we've had to adjust our preference for worship This really caught some churches off guard that should have been prepared for this 20 years ago. Mm. I'm noticing some churches who are now just going online and going with Facebook live streams and live stream worship, but they had the resources and the people in place to do it 20 years ago, but they never did it because they were comfortable where they are. And scared of whatever change could come and how that would make them adjust so I would encourage them don't be afraid of change just because there's change does not mean that we are shying away from our commitments this just means that we can adjust to meet the need and still maintain the message Mm. I would also encourage them to Engage young minds to help them navigate these digital waters. This is a great opportunity for some churches to utilize their younger generations who are more tech savvy, who are more digitally inclined and use them and their gifts in that vein to carry on church work and now you have looped those individuals in and they feel validated, they feel valued and appreciated because they're using what they have to carry out church work so if you have Hmm. younger members who know how to build a website who know how to Run a camera and edit videos. Who know how to conduct a live stream? Who can incorporate graphics and logos? This is the perfect time to get those people together and rally them to say, "Hey, we need your help to carry this out."
0: Mm-hmm. Those would be the part of three things so, I would
1: encourage. On top of yeah,
0: okay, cool. So, we're almost there. Not there yet, but we're almost there. So, how has the struggle been preaching to empty pews? And also, how is the struggle not only preaching to empty pews, but preaching to empty people?
1: I'll deal with the empty pews first. It's, the struggle has to not let the silence cause you or cause me to not go for blood. We feed off of moments of call and response. We talked about earlier in the podcast that we are a call and response culture. That's what we thrive off of. So if I don't hear somebody talking back to me, if I'm not careful, I will misconstrue that silence for flunking. But it could be that that's the opportunity for them to what's being said. And they're probably feeling convicted more than they are celebration. So I have had to frame my thinking and my preaching to realize just because the pews are empty doesn't mean my sermons have to be. That I still have to preach as though I'm preaching to thousands, the same way I may, though I'm preaching to 10. And with the way that you and I are, I think both of us are comfortable in those settings because we just love to preach. Period. Give me a dog and a cat, and I'm going right. to make sure they barking me, yeah, at some point. Uh, give me an empty room, I'm going to preach my own self happy, and I might have a bipolar moment and talk back to myself while I'm preaching. It's just the way that we are engaged, but it's really made me hone in and realize that just because I don't hear the amen doesn't mean that it's not being received. And on the flip side of that, it's also made me more meticulous in my words to where every word counts. So I can't afford to fish for words in the pulpit because now every moment on that live stream counts so if they don't catch it right. I've got to make sure they get it and if they don't catch it in that moment I've probably lost them because now they're like what did he just say I don't understand it and they've lost the whole moment so now I'm being very strategic in my words to make sure every part of that sermon is crisp and sharp to where they get it preaching right. the empty people is a great challenge to have because now I have to preach from a place where I encourage myself before I encourage them. So they're coming in empty, looking for a word. I've had to wrestle with God during the week to make sure I'm encouraged by what I'm preaching before I can do it to them. So it's really made me more... Intentional in my devotional life and in my time of study to make sure what I'm preaching is good food that I'll eat myself before I feed it to somebody else. To where in this time of a pandemic, God, I'm struggling just like they are. What is it that you want me to say? Wait, first, what is it that I need to know in these moments of this pandemic? And how can I share that with them so they can be encouraged along with me as we're in this thing together? It's really made me more transparent in this whole process to where I'm telling people, listen, I ain't telling you what I heard, I'm telling them what I know, because I'm in the same struggle with you. I know what it's like to lose a loved one because of this virus. I've seen the financial strains that come from dealing with this economic shutdown. I understand the troubles you're having because you can't connect with loved ones because they're quarantined and you can't see. I'm in the same boat with you, but we can look to the word of God together and realize this is what God's word says in these times. So it's really made me more transparent in preaching and it's really made me Intentional in my devotional time that as I'm preparing for the sermon, I'm also talking with God to say, Okay, Lord, I'm talking to these folks, but this is for me too. What do I need to learn in this process to maintain my relationship with you in the midst of this pandemic?
0: Hmm. My, my, and so. As we come towards the end there are three questions i want to ask. see that's right, as just I like end. a
1: black baptist preaching you say you come so close you got three right that's like a black baptist yeah
0: but that you hey i'm trying to help the saints right i'm trying to help you get
1: ready to close we still got a few more ways out yes
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only you rebel only you and again i say only you so even with preaching to empty teams and empty people, here's another question that I kind of want to flip a little bit because I've heard different individuals saying that you know they're not only just preaching to their members now, but now we end some of the main people that we look up to as preachers and pastors, they're tuning in to some of our services on some Sunday. So how is the struggle like preaching to your mentors, but then struggle preaching to empty preachers and empty pastors.
1: Wow, that's a that's a great question. That is a great question. That is a great question because you're right. We're dealing with clergy who are now struggling in unprecedented ways, and they've got to get the word too. It preaching to them. In these times and preaching to mentors, if, if honestly, I have to put them in the same mindset almost as another mentor. And that's not to disrespect them, but I've got to mentally remove that title, that sense of deference I'll have for them, and realize all God's word. So I'm not going to fancy it up because you're bishop so-and-so, you're pastor so-and-so, and and I love you that regard. I'm literally going to give you the same thing that God has given to me. And if it's the word, it's going to stick regardless. Right. So I'm not fixing to change my sermon, my preaching style, just to appease a mentor when all of us need the word. So now I'm giving you what God has given me and at some point whatever word you need out of that is going to help you along the journey. I will say it has made As scripture says, brothers born out of adversity because now in preaching and teaching and also in conversations I've gained more friendships that I didn't have before this pandemic. Because now all of us, Uh, it it ain't no longer, well, hey, Doc, how's it going? Blah. All of us are struggling, so we all trying to figure this thing out together. And now more folks have had intentional, real conversations with me that they probably would have never had if coronavirus never hit.
0: uh,
1: So it has encourage me to keep preaching the way I am the way that God has wired me to but also realize scripture is true when it says some brothers are born out of adversity we're facing adversity right now and now I've gained more brothers I've gained more sisters because of what's happening with this because all of us are just trying to be in this thing together so now even after I get through on the morning I may have to take a phone call Tuesday evening to encourage whatever preacher because they were struggling with whatever else which probably wouldn't happen before because of coronavirus so that's what it's been like in that challenge and I'm pretty sure you've probably experienced the same thing where now you are having more conversations with preachers and pastors that you probably didn't have before this pandemic hit
0: and reverend it seems like every every day you get those conversations that you have to call and check on individuals and encourage just the other day you know even through this pandemic you know I'm grateful that even though some of the travel bans are lifted you can still be able to to go about and if I travel places I'm only going to travel with a purpose I went to be with the youngest pastor in the country right now. He's only, I think he's 18 or 19 years old. And he's a senior pastor of a major church in Georgia. We got together the other day, just my presence and just participating in an interactive Bible study did more for me than it did for him. It encouraged me just to be able to see that the work is going on even in a pandemic, we still have a common sense on what we do and what we cannot do, but at the end of the day, it's just a blessing to see that, that, yeah. that encouragement. Every call needs a Barn. Every yes, call sir. needs a barn. And every Timothy yes, needs a call. And so that leads me to my next question. What have through this pandemic, on a sad note, but yet a joyous note, What has it been like walking alongside with Moses in the sense of walking alongside with the Reverend Dr. Harry Brooke?
1: This, this, again, this is what makes it peculiar because it's it's one thing to sit under a pastor. It's another thing to walk with your father in ministry. Um, And that's what makes this time very peculiar for me. Because I didn't just lose a pastor I lost a father in ministry Again, uh, as I alluded at the beginning of the podcast Dr. Harry Blake was the first pastor ever To call me his son in ministry I literally started preaching Without a quote-unquote father in ministry The church where I started preaching Did not have a pastor at the time So my license is signatured By our vice moderator in our district not our pastor, because we didn't have one at the time. So I literally came into ministry without a father in ministry. And Harry Blake Mm. literally took me under his wing and saved my ministry. I don't think I would be as humble. I don't think I would be as wise. I don't think I would be as sensitive to the spirit now if i didn't have the years i had with harry blake because he literally just by being a father in ministry taught me what it means to be able to submit to a pastor taught me what it means how to be wise in adverse situations he coached me and grew me on so many different things by word and action that's still carrying me now. So it's been a great journey to have him as a father in ministry because he literally—I don't think I'd still be preaching now. And if I would be, I'd be one of the most bitter preachers walking. If I never connected with Harry Blake, he literally saved my ministry. So. It is so true. You said every Timothy needs a Paul. And that is absolutely correct. If there's any associate minister that's listening to this podcast, any pastor listening to this podcast, make sure you find a Timothy. If you had that, or find a Paul, if you had that moment with your Paul, thank God for it. Because all of us need that level of mentorship because it makes us humble in our ministry. So those moments with him whether it was driving to and from church whether it was sitting down having lunch after church whether it was calls during the week whatever else it's helped me now more so now than it probably did then because now I've got stuff in the bank to help me deal with what I'm going through um Dad Blake was very strategic in the sense that he prepared people for transitions um mm. He always Mm. is forward-thinking in how to get people ready for what's coming next. He did it with Mm. Canaan when he retired. He told him, I'm not going to be here. Here's my five-year exit strategy. And literally, by the time we had called the next pastor, transition was already set because he prepared us forward. So it wasn't a scuffle it wasn't a drag out it was one of the most seamless transitions i've ever seen because he prepares for it. even when it came to dealing with death as far as different loved ones he taught on death in a way to prepare us for transition so most of the funerals he conducted it was some of the, the greatest worship services to where folks were crying they were shouting and hollering because he prepared us for transition oh. Even with his death, as I'm looking back, he prepared us to deal with his transition, even though he transitioned in a way we didn't expect. Wow. So I'm listening to conversations, and I'm replaying conversations in my mind that happened in 2019, in 2018, even in 2017, that he talk to me about that's now helping me in 2020 because that was his way of preparing me for his transition. Even with dealing with St. Rest in the way I have to now. I'm still going back to previous conversations we had before he ever took sick, before he ever transitioned and how that's helped me now because he was always wired to prepare anybody he encounter for the next move so I'm grateful for that experience because now as I'm navigating these uncharted waters at least he gave me a map before he left so I know okay even though I may not fully understand what's going on I've at least got some guidelines to say here's what we need to think about and consider because of those previous conversations so I'm grateful to God for that. And I'm grateful to God for the legacy of Harry Blake and the life of Harry Blake. Not just because of what he taught, how he prepared people to live life in whatever transition they need to make.
0: Next move. So during this pandemic, what have God done in your life? And what do you desire to see him do after this comes to uh, to an end.
1: The, the 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 biggest thing that God has done is kept. Me. I we 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 sing to Him, oh, to be kept, and we talk about the keeping power of God. But when you realize what others have experienced in comparison to what you have not experienced, I'm just glad God has kept me. I'm physically healthy. I've been financially stable my family is safe and sane I'm still relatively in my right mind I'm just glad that God has kept me during this whole process to where what has taken other folks out hasn't taken me out and I'm grateful to God for that uh, I'm also grateful that God has deepened my doctrine and developed my devotion to Him uh, this has been a great opportunity for me to not only have time to prepare sermons, but also to progress my own salvation. To where everything's not about Sunday morning. Now I'm really in a space of intentionally praying, devoting time and prayer in scripture and in song to really just check out my own soul salvation. And I'm glad about that because now out of my devotional life comes better preaching. Because I can't go anywhere. There's nothing else to do but spend time with God. So it's literally crippled me to a point to where it was like, okay, you need to get on your knees. You need to read the Bible. You need to devote time to me. And I'm glad for it because now I feel stronger in my walk. To where I'm not just feeding off the crumbs, I'm eating at the table. Um uh, and I think another thing that this has done for me, it's it's also helped me develop stronger bonds and relationships with my family. Because now we have to have hard conversations that we probably didn't have to have before, especially with my fiance. It's it's crazy january i got engaged march we're in a pandemic i never expected this to happen i was looking forward to a beautiful year 2020 to be engaged to go through the engagement process and be done but this has put a strain on us because we've had restrictions in place to where we couldn't see each other so now if you get mad at me You can't look at me in my face and say it. You can go hide in the closet and deal with it and go about your business. But now it's made us have more sincere, legitimate conversations about what we're feeling, what we're experiencing and how God's grace fits in all that. So now our relationship is stronger based off the time we've had to have those legitimate conversations. So I'm grateful that God has blessed my upcoming marriage and also, my family life to the point where we are all stronger as family because of the conversations we've had to have during these moments. Uh, what do I expect God to do? Uh, whatever He's been doing it, to make this work. Uh, look, I'm at that point where, any way you bless me, Lord, I will be satisfied.
0: <laughs> wow. So, as we come to an end, this is the all end. Right. All, all right. What a curse. There
1: it is. I was waiting for it. There's the Black Baptist remix there. There it goes.
0: As I bring this yes. to a close, I, I yeah. Yeah. Pro, okay. I am am music, it's clear. It's clear, Reverend. Help the saints, Reverend. Yes, Let them shout. Let them shout. We're in it. What words of encouragement would you encourage a church without a pastor or a pastor who desires to leave his or her church post-pandemic? And also, what encouraging words would you give to a pastor in a gentleman? All three, you can sum it up however you want to as well.
1: To a church looking for a pastor... embrace this opportunity and by me saying that realize that this is going to put you in position to assess a pastor based off of what the Bible teaches Mm. typically with our pastoral selection process we look for great preachers because we want to know how they preach how they teach, how they handle the pulpit pandemic strips pulpits and exposes hearts so now wow. you will know your pastor whoever that person is supposed to be based off their heart during these moments so embrace that opportunity because now you will discover your pastor not by what happens in the pulpit but what what is by it's exposed in their heart For the pastor that's looking for a church or the young minister that is feeling the call to pastor stay woke look at what's happening now and really let that help you assess is this God's call for my life because I'm a witness now God will challenge your affections before he confirms your promotion. If you are Mm. called to pastor, if it's God's will for you to pastor, he will show you your heart for pastor. And if you don't have it, that's a strong indication you probably don't need to do it. So stay woke and assess where you are now to see. Do I have the heart for pastoring or do I just have the head for preaching? Uh, To the pastor in general, stay on the wall. This is the most unprecedented time we faced in the life of Christendom for us. Stay on the wall. Be like Nehemiah was with Sanballat and Tobiah and realize I'm doing a great work and I can't come down and talk to y'all because one of the greatest adversaries to the pastor now is criticism it's not dealing with the pandemic itself it's dealing with the chatter that comes from the pandemic is this the right time to reopen why have you closed the doors to the church If you say you've got faith, why don't you open the door? All the different chatter that can lead you away from the work. So stay on the wall. You know what God is charged to your hands. You commit that to prayer and you do what's best for your congregation. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about the chatter. It matters about your commission to lead that congregation. And when we get on this other side of time into eternity, God's not going to ask, how did you respond to the chatter? He's really going to ask you, did you carry out the work I put in your hands? Mm. So stay on the wall and remember where your accountability lies. You are responsible for the people, but you're accountable to God. Let that chatter go and you do what God's called you to do. That's it,
0: brother. That's all I got. Well, my well, my brothers and my sisters who have joined us on this podcast, I want to personally thank Pastor Michael J. Fuzzy for coming to be a part of this podcast. Originally, as a on a lighter note of clarifications, and I have to make a a, a joke. Uh, I did not know how to pronounce his last night. And and a friend of mine and I was talking and I was like, how do you pronounce this? Because I do not want to say something so derogatory until I got oh, emails no, coming to me <laughs> saying but I will make a, 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 a saying though. That the man is is off Jesus. the market. And he's married. And he's Brand married. And loves you, his life.
1: Please, please, y'all, don't don't inbox me. Don't call me. Don't know none of that. Don't make no cakes, no pies. I'm done. I'm retired. The <clears throat> reverend now, reverend,
0: reverend. They can, no, they can they no, still make no, the cakes no, and pies. So they they
1: got to go through. But, uh, but, they got to go through the FDA approval. The uh, the fiance discretion. <laughs> they got to go through that. No. <laughs> Just, 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 y'all, look. Just, just say congratulations. Just say amen and go on. Don't, don't look. I don't want to know about your granddaughters. I don't want to know about your daughters. No, we done. Praise the Lord. We, I,
0: well, I don't have that luxury, blessed Jesus. But either way, we praying your strength. we praying your strength. we praying your strength. And just yes, keep, sir. keep praying, Reverend. Keep praying. The spirit Lord, is willing, Lord, but the flesh is weak. Praying Lord. every day. Yeah. All right, all right, y'all. We need to stop because we don't end up having people playing consecrated. Yes, Lord. but nonetheless, on a on a serious note, uh, as we come That's to the, the conclusion of job. this podcast, so I want you a black Baptist. You. That's the third close. Yeah. But as you can see today, we are real, authentic black preachers. We got some other, you know, charisma in our blood as well, but we're nothing more than black preachers. Yes, sir. That happens to be Baptist. And so, um, Pastor Mike, tell us, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, or wants to know more about what you're doing. You can email be-
1: me. Uh, first name Michael. M-I-C-H-A-E-L. F-A-G-G-E-T-T. At gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook. On Instagram. My name's the same on there as well. Um, those will be the best routes. to Just contact me. Look for me on social media. I will be more than willing to help. in whatever way I can.
0: And also tell us about your about the church that you're serving, um, address, what's going on, and you know somebody who might be in the Louisiana Louisiana area to let up to sure Uh, you can.
1: Connect with St. Rest on Facebook as well. It's the St. Rest Baptist Church, which is Shreveport, Louisiana. You can check us out on Facebook as well as on YouTube to look at previous worship services, Bible studies, and Sunday school. Uh, A great church with a great history that loves a great God. So connect with us there. As we say, we are the church with the open door. So feel free to shoot us a message. Feel free to engage with us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Sunday school. 11 a.m. for Sunday worship or Wednesdays at 6 for Bible study. Uh, We'll be more than happy to fellowship with you, talk with you, and do whatever we can to help you in your journey with Christ.
0: I want to throw a plug in if you need some creative strategies and you need some some things on how to re-enter feel free to inbox Pastor Mike. And he'll be glad to help you by any means necessary. He has coined the phrase that it's so infamous with this yes, help thing. So, so on the bottom, on the and I can imagine that when he dies at the bottom of his tombstone or top, it will say, "I did yes, my sir. part to help the suck Yes. Sir. So i'm going to ask that pastor mike will pray for us and after he pray we will give the final greeting and that will be god father
1: we thank you for these moments of fellowship we thank you for these moments of conversation allowing us to unburden our souls to help other souls thank you for this this platform that gives us space to discuss real issues we face as preachers and pastors, but also to encourage other preacher pastors to continue to carry out the work that you've charged to their hands. We pray now, God, that you would bless every listener. We pray, God, that you would strengthen every preacher and pastor who is feeling discouraged, who is feeling downtrodden because of this pandemic, who has a sense of uncertainty about what the next step should be. God strengthen them with your wisdom and give them your knowledge and understanding to know what's best for their congregations and encourage their hearts to know that you are with them in every facet of these moments. Pray God that you would continue to do as you always done. We thank you for what you are doing even though things we're not aware of and we cling to scripture knowing that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask and thank you according to the power and work in us. We thank you, God, for what's going to take place. And we thank you, God, for how you're going to bring us out. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Michael J. Faza, for joining us on um, this day. And we pray that as the interview was given today, that this helped you to be informed, This has helped you to be inspired, but most of all, this will cause you to go back and be invited to go to your place of witness and work. I love each and every one of you, and we just want to help the saints and help those who are caretakers of the saint's soul. So until the next broadcast, which we will be having the same discussion with Pastor Adrian Reed of the... New Jerusalem Baptist Church of Brentwood, New York, who's in the epicenter of the pandemic as we speak. I pray that God's richest blessings will be upon each and every one of you as we've done our part to help the saints and help the soldiers. May God be with you. May the blessings of Almighty God be upon you peace be unto you oh 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 lord uh pastor mike do you have any shout outs you want to get
1: in trouble with let me shout out the mount canaan baptist church shreveport louisiana and my pastor pastor greg oliver Um, shout out to them of course shout out to st rest st rest church um my family of course my f- Uh, um, and really to all the the fellow preachers and pastors I know who we listen to this I appreciate y'all and know know that you are a blessing even from a distance so I appreciate you all and God bless you all for the work that you're carrying on
0: well thank you for coming to the Empower the Pastor podcast we love y'all be blessed and peace be unto you